All right. Give it another woohoo. <laughs> well, welcome to Horizon. I keep offering to join the band and play a little air guitar alongside of them, but they keep turning me down. Uh, but my name is Ryan. I lead the family ministry team here, and we are just glad to see you. Um, we are starting a brand new series today called Adventures with God. Um, and as they just sang that Coldplay hit, sometimes when you're on a new adventure, it does really get your heart beating, right? I mean, just even what they sang, that it kind of makes you feel like you're coming to life. And any adventure that we go on always involves a journey, okay? And, and we live at the time of life, of all of existence, where going on a journey is so easy, isn't it? I mean, you don't need your compass anymore. I don't know. I don't even know how to use that, to be honest with you. Um, you don't need, like, your paper map anymore, right? Like, anybody ever pull that out while you're driving and try? So here's the proper way to fold a paper map, okay, in case you're wondering. Just kind of do that and then just between the legs, okay? That's how you get rid of a map. Um, but we live at a time where, like, you can just punch into your phone an address, and it, it will give you polite turn-by-turn -turn directions on how to get there even in like a British accent, if you want one of those. Um, it's amazing, but what happens if you don't have your compass, or you've thrown away your map, or your cell phone's uncharged, then how do you navigate? Well, I don't know if you know this, and maybe if you've done some hiking, you're aware, but you can navigate by using only the northern star. You can triangulate your position. And here in the northern hemisphere, it's really easy to find on a clear night. So you look up at the sky, and you find the, the Big Dipper, there, there that is, and you find the top star of the Big Dipper and the, the Dipper part, and you work your way across, and you find the top star in the handle of the Little Dipper, and that is your North Star. Okay, I don't know how to triangulate from there, but that's how you find the North Star. It's normally the brightest one. Um, and, and it's almost a foolproof way to navigate. And I say almost because in the 1800s, there was an English explorer named William Edmund Perry, and he's trying to chart his way through the Arctic. Again, there's no satellites, there's no GPS, so they are walking and, and drawing maps as they go. And one evening, they are just marching forward, following the North Star. So they're going north for hours and hours and hours, and eventually, they are just exhausted, so they stop and they pull out their instruments and they're triangulating with the North Star and they realize that they are further south than when they started eight hours before. And they have no idea what's going on. Um, and they realize that they were on a huge ice flow. So though their legs were moving north, the ground beneath them was moving south. And I think that's such a great analogy sometimes for life. That sometimes we can feel like we're heading in one direction on a career path or a relationship, and then we stop and we triangulate our location and we realize we're not even close to our destination or goal. And well, for me, I've, I've found this out the hard way that the only way for me to find true north in my life is by looking to God for wisdom. That if I can make God my north star and, and look up, I can always find my bearings. Welcome to Adventures with God. Today we're looking at the tabernacle. I remember the first time I saw Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was on a quest, an adventure, to find the Ark of the Covenant, otherwise known as the God Box, a box that represented his forgiveness, 
his power. Also a box of reminders. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go back to the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, where God gave instructions not only on how to build that box, but also how to build a court, an outer structure uh, made only of walls, about the size of four tennis courts. And inside of that was a smaller tent, a movable tent called the holy place, a place where people could find God's direction, God's forgiveness, and God's power. But really it was a call to go on an adventure with God, to experience what his presence was really all about, a place where heaven and earth overlapped. You know, this first chamber was called the holy place, and it had different symbols and rituals that would equip people for the adventure of doing life with God. The first tool was called the menorah, a symbol of light, a symbol of seven parties God wanted his people to have throughout the year. The next was the incense altar. It had a lot of different symbols here, but one was that your prayers make it to heaven, and other things we'll talk about in future weeks. Then there was the table of of showbread, a reminder of God's provision and his promises from the past. Now the priest's job was to help connect people to God in this space. Now between the holy place and the most holy place was a giant curtain that separated the two. It went from floor to ceiling. It kept everyone, including the priests, out of God's presence. Only the high priest, and only once a year, could go behind this curtain to God's presence, the God box, and offer an annual sacrifice. And it was here that uh, people could know, like know they've been forgiven. Imagine knowing you've been forgiven, knowing you have peace with God, knowing the God of the universe has granted you favor. That's what this place represented. It was a place where heaven and earth overlapped and you got to be invited into the adventure of living life as if heaven was overlapping with you. Now, no one was allowed to touch the God box, not even the high priest, or they would be killed. Which sounds like, warning, warning, you know, angry Old Testament God. Well, maybe. Think of it more like a hot stove, like you can't touch the heat, or a welding arc. You need protection to look at it. It's kind of the idea here. God wanted to make sure his people, mere mortals, could come into his presence and the priest's job was to help with that. So once a year, the high priest would go behind this curtain and he would offer a sacrifice in this space called the mercy seat between the two angels on the ark. See, the blood would be placed here and it was a way in which the consequences, the just consequences of our wrongdoing, something else would absorb that so that we could know we'd been forgiven. It was also known as a reminder box. So if you opened up this thing, Inside of the ark was a set of the Ten Commandments that Moses brought down, a reminder of all the ways and reasons we need forgiveness. There was also a section of manna. This was the daily bread God provided all those years wandering through the wilderness. You think of Jesus' prayer, give us this day our daily bread. What does it mean to depend on God every single day? There was also a flowering branch, a reminder that God helps with conflict. One day they couldn't decide who the real leader was, and so everyone brought out a branch. And uh, God made the branch of Aaron bud, a little flower appeared. I think it's the first time in the Bible God ever said, this bud's for you. <laughs> but I digress. It was a reminder that God helps us with conflict. He gives us what we need every day, and he gives us commandments for living life. 
But mostly this box was a reminder that God forgives. God provides and he's here to help. He's the final forgiver and he wants us to go on an adventure with him. All right, you got to love the dad jokes, right? <laughs> uh, well, thank you to Jungle Jack Hovind or Indiana Chad, however you, know, however you want to look at that. But he set up our series really well with that video. And he gives us an interesting lens to begin to consider God through. That, that it can be easy to think of God as like Grandpa God, right? Like, hey, kids, get in the car. We're going to go visit Grandpa today. You know, hopefully he's in a good mood. And, you know, sometimes he's got candy. And maybe he'll mail you a check on your birthday. You know, that's Grandpa God. We love him. Um, or maybe if you're more logical, you think of God as like a judge, you know, and he's been watching your life, writing down things, and he doesn't always look so happy with you. And, you know, he's going to be like Judge Judy, and he's going to like roll his eyes in disgust and just bring down the gavel on your life. Um, well, what about the God of adventure? That, that instead, God wants to take you on an adventure over the course of your life. And not only take you, but join you. He wants to be the Lewis to your Clark, the Thelma to your Louise on an adventure of a lifetime. And I wonder, as we dive into this series, if, if it would be easier to understand life with its ups that are just amazing and its downs that are heartbreaking, if, if we could understand that story arc better if we thought of it through the lens of a, a grand adventure. Well, well, that's exactly what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. We're going to be going back in time to join God and the people of Israel on a 40-year adventure through the deserts of Egypt. Okay, and there are going to be some crazy highs and some crazy lows, some plot twists. I mean, all kinds of stuff is going to go down. Um, but one of the things that God knows, since he's a good adventure guide is that the Israelites are going to need some reminders to kind of keep them on the right trail on this adventure, um, to, to keep them moving forward. So he actually is going to give them a gift in the first year of the 40 years, and that is, you ready for this? It's the Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the Covenant. So let's check this thing out. I'm going to touch it and move it, unlike Chad, you know, Chad said this is a no-no, but... Roll this bad boy out here. The Ark of the Covenant, or the Indiana Jones box, if you will. So God actually has Moses construct this. Okay, and here's his um, instructions. He says, They shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length. A cubit and a half its width. And a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out, you shall overlay it. And shall make on it a molding of gold all around. So friends, I could read a lot of other verses that would like describe this box. Okay, there's a bunch of them. But to save time, just know this. Okay, like if I was like a, a salesman, I'd be like, hey, this is a fancy box. Okay, there's gold on the outside. We got gold on the inside. You know, the cherubs are gold. The poles are gold. I mean, it is just like the Cadillac of Arks of the Covenant. Okay, I mean, it was the only one. Uh, but it was the premier edition Ark of the Covenant. It was sort of royal and fancy. And just in case, don't try to sneak back in later and steal this, because this one's actually plywood. It's not gold. Okay, so, you know, it's a prop. Um, so it was a fancy box, but it was also a powerful box. That as Chad alluded to, I couldn't have just rolled it out here like a shopping cart in its initial state. 
um, because it represented this amazing place where heaven and earth overlapped. So it had a lot of power. And to God, it was an important box for this reason. He says, and you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give you. The testimony which I will give you. And the word we're choosing to use is the reminders. That God's saying, hey, into that box are going to be some reminders that you're going to need for this 40-year adventure. Okay, a, a good guide reminds people of what's coming ahead. And, and today we're going to look at some reminders. Chad mentioned them in our video, that the box itself is a reminder. We got manna, we got the Ten Commandments, we got a flowering branch. And we're going to look at four reminders together. Okay, and the first one is the most important. Okay, it is like the base foundational reminder. So if you're dozing off, like smack yourself a little, turn up the hearing aids. You know, you're going to want to hear this one. Okay, because it's the most important. All right. That God wanted them to look at this box and be reminded of this. That I am near. That I am near. As he's given Moses instructions, he says, you shall put the mercy seat on top. That's this place between the angels. You'll put the testimony in there, like we just said. And then he says, and there I will meet with you. Now, how crazy that God who's omnipotent, he's eternal, he's always existed. There's never been a place where he wasn't. Chooses in this moment in history to give them one visual representation of his presence. Saying, hey, on this 40-year journey, there are going to be some twists and turns. And you're going to be re- need to be reminded that I'm near. And I don't know if you've ever gone on a tour or <laughs> anything where there's a guide and you don't know what's ahead. It's, it's kind of nice to be near the guide. And God's reminding them of that. Because, friends, if we're honest, adventures are fun and it's a great thing to talk about. But adventures sometimes are scary too, aren't they? That, that any good adventure movie has its beginning, which is fun. And it has an ending where it ends great, you know, and the rock's smiling and waving everybody. But the, the middle of the adventure can get scary, right? There's twists and turns. And, and sometimes there's pain. And what I love about the Bible is it never sugarcoats life. That it presents life as we know it to be true. That, that in life there is pain. In life there are jerks. Sometimes that jerks me, right? Um, in life there are unfair situations. In life bad things happen to pretty good people. And the Bible never sugarcoats that. It just presents life as it is. And it doesn't give any popcorn easy answers as to why. It doesn't say, well, there's really no suffering. Just pretend it's not there. It'll go away. Or put your head down and just get through it. Um, But what the Bible does present, unlike any other world religion, is that right into the middle of that scary part of your adventure, the God of the Bible says, hey, I want to meet you in the middle of that. In Psalms, it says it this way. It says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. That God keeps reminding them, hey, look at this and remember that I'm near. And friends, I don't know about you, but anytime that I'm broken, anytime I'm contrite, like like what I really want is I really want to be close to the people I love. I, I want presence with somebody that knows me and trusts me and loves me and vice versa. That presence is the the number one reminder we have to think about. So a little over two years ago, as 
the days of my dad's life were beginning to draw to a close and he was in hospice care um, and you kind of know where that's heading if you've, if you've been through that experience. Um, all I wanted to do was just be near him. Like I, I wanted to be in that room as much as possible because I, I wanted him to just know I was there and he, he didn't respond, he didn't open his eyes, but the nurses are like, no, he knows you're here. Like he's, he, he knows it. And uh, crazy enough, like the, I, I so much wanted to be there the moment that he passed into eternity. And I knew it would be hard, and it certainly was. Um, but I wanted my voice to be the last one that he heard. Telling him that he was loved. Telling him that he was appreciated. Well, well God, that's the way he is with us. That he says, hey, when you feel like you're in the hospice part of your story on the adventure, whether that's for a moment or towards the end, like I want to draw near and be that last voice that you hear. So that's our first reminder that God is near to his people and to us. Um, so let's keep unpacking the old Ark of the Covenant here together. So actually in Exodus it tells us how it's made. And then in Hebrews, a book later in the Bible, it tells us what's in the Ark. And, and as Chad mentioned, one of the items in the Ark was manna. Okay, and this is actually just stale bread. But manna was this substance that fell from heaven every day during the adventure for the Israelites. And honestly, we don't know what it kind of really was, and they didn't. The Hebrew words for manna were, what is it? <laughs> what is this stuff? Uh, well, apparently it tasted good because they kept eating it. Um, so I think of it kind of as like donut holes from heaven, you know, which sounds pretty, pretty awesome. Um, so the second reminder here from God is I can sustain you. I will sustain you. That the manna, funny enough, it's like human nature kicks in. And the first day it fell, they're like, you know, getting it all together. And they're, they're putting it into jars because they're like, we're going to save this manna for a rainy day. And, and the manna spoiled every single day. That it would only last 24 hours. That if they tried to keep it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't wait for another day. Um, because God wanted them to know that every single day he would provide for them in new and fresh ways. That he could sustain them. And that's the reminder. And I want to introduce you to a family now through a picture and a story. A Horizon family, okay? And they are one of my favorites. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. You know, it's kind of like you don't tell your kids which one's the favorite. You know, none of you kids, you're all, you're all favorites if you're out there. Um, but the Springers are a favorite family of mine at Horizon uh, because Becky and I have known them for 15 years. Okay, we met them, oh, really, 16 years. We met them in 2005 and uh, initially connected because we had a baby daughter, a baby girl, and they had a baby girl. And over time, our families have grown, and both of us now have two girls and then two boys, and good stuff, good family. Uh, but today, I want to tell you the story of McKinley, okay, their second child. And I'm going to read to you from Sherry's own words um, that she sent me. She said this, on May 25th, 2010, in one second, with the sound of four little words, our world changed. Your daughter has cancer. Our sweet 19-month-old McKinley Joy was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. That day started what would be a year of navigating our family of four through almost three years of medical treatment and recovery. This included the first year of intensive therapy, which forced us to countless doctor appointments and a total of 95 nights in the hospital. 
After this first phase, we navigated through another year and a half of maintenance therapy. Again, countless doctor appointments and home health visits. At this point, approximately 65% of her young life had been spent fighting cancer. This is obviously not what we had envisioned for our family. We were forced into a crisis and we had to rely on God in a way that we had not relied on him before. We were followers of Jesus, but that day started a more intense, raw journey with God. We quickly learned that as C.S. Lewis said, relying on God has to be done every day as if it has never been done. Many nights brought fear, despair, worry, but the sun rose again. This is where the Bible came alive for us. In Lamentations, it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There was a new morning, new hope, new peace, a new heart of thankfulness for seeing us to another day. Even on the hard and heavy days, we felt his mercies just because the sun rose. And, and as I share that story, I know for, for me, it's the thought I have is like, how did they get through that? Like, how could they make it through that? Uh, but I know that in this room and, and listening to me, there, some of you know because you've been there. You, you've had a sick family member that you've walked with for months and years and struggled through that. And if, if you were to ask Sherry or Scott in the atrium someday, like, how did you guys get through that? What they would share with you is the manna. They would say, hey, God, God sustained us. Like, little by little, God sustained us. And sometimes it was just the sun rising. Like, the night before was terrifying and white blood cell count numbers were bad. And the only thing that gave us hope was the sun rising in the, in the sky. And sometimes they were sustained by the Bible, right? Like Sherry mentioned a verse that filled them with hope. So they would print those verses up and put them around their house so they could see them in, the, in their cars. Um, but other times they were sustained by people, right? Like the amazing doctors and nurses at Children's. Um, but also the, their family and friends that circled them with hope in the middle of that. And I don't know where you're at on the, the journey right now of your adventure, because adventures have different chapters where some chapters are fun and exciting. And it's like, you know, if it was an adventure movie, the background music would be like Kokomo from the Beach Boys and everybody's drinking mimosas. And you're like, this is a great part of the adventure. I'm loving it. You know, or maybe you're at a part of the, the adventure like the Springers were, where like there's no background music and there's no mimosas. Well, God's saying, hey, look at the, Look at the manna and be reminded that I can sustain you. And one of the ways we, we try to help with that here at Horizon is just creating ways for you to connect. That the Springers would share that one of the ways that they were sustained through this was through friends and family and church and the Bible. Um, well, I want to tell you just about an upcoming way where you could do that. Doesn't matter where you're at in your adventure. Um, but this Thursday... Beth Guckenberger, and maybe you've heard Beth. She's been on our stage a ton of times. She's an amazing speaker, has great stories about life. Um, she runs back-to-back -back, uh, ministries, which is an orphan care organization we're involved with. Um, but this Thursday night from 7 to 8.30 for the ladies. Sorry, fellas, we do have a fun thing coming up for you a little later in the fall. Um, but for the ladies, that's something I would come to, to connect, to try to find people that can help sustain you when your adventure gets a little scary. 
All right, well, let's keep unpacking the ark here. Okay, so the, the other items that Chad mentioned, right, were the flowering branch. Okay, so if we go back to Hebrews there, it calls it Aaron's rod and then the Ten Commandments. Okay, and if you remember the branch, the flowering branch is from a time in Israel where there was just kind of chaos, where there was a real uneasiness about who was supposed to be leading the country. Okay, it sounds a little too eerily familiar to me, um, to our country right now. But what God did is he, he spoke into that chaos wisdom. He said, hey, everybody who thinks they're in charge, go get a stick, go grab, you know, your walking stick, a cane, whatever you want, and just hold it up. And whoever is really in charge, your stick will bloom. And that's what happened. So the, Aaron's rod in there, the flowering branch, points to God's wisdom. And then the Ten Commandments, you know, if you grew up in America, you're probably pretty at least familiar with the idea of the Ten Commandments. Um, but they were really just ten guidelines from God on how to live your best life. So both of these reminders really pointed to God's wisdom. And the third reminder was, I will guide you. Like, gosh, on this adventure, this adventure of life, like, I will guide you. I have wisdom. Remember the time I helped with the crazy stuff going on with who's running the country? And, and think of the Ten Commandments when I gave you guidelines. I will guide you if you'll let me. And I don't know about you, but the idea of God, like, guiding me and leading me and giving me rules and guidelines and, you know, do this and don't do that. I mean, I love that, right? Like, that's amazing. Like, I love it. It's so good, you know, and, and I... Well, you know, I love it for, like, you guys. <laughs> like, I don't really love it for me. Uh, because there's something about the idea of the Ten Commandments that kind of bristles up against the inner 14-year-old in all of us, right? You know, you're like, oh, God, you know, he's always, like, on my case. You know, he's got all these rules, and it's just all about don'ts with him. You know, there's so many rules. And you're like, well, actually, it's, like, ten. Well, no, it might as well be like 10,000 rules because God is just like up in my grill, you know. And has God not heard of like free-range parenting? You know, maybe he should like Google that because that's sort of a thing, God. You should check it out. Um, well, it can be hard for us to accept this idea that God wants to guide us because we like doing what we want to do, right? Well, the, the inner 14-year-old is, is right that there are some don'ts in the Ten Commandments, okay? Things like don't kill people, don't steal from people. Don't lie. You know, your inner 14-year-old's like, God's trying to cramp all our fun. You know, he's such a, you know, and then your adult mind is like, oh, yeah, those are the things I tell my kids not to do. That makes sense. That yeah. um, there is this great wisdom in the Ten Commandments. And I don't know if you know this, but they're not all don'ts. That there's some do's in the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? One of them is honor your mother and father. Right? Honor your mother and father. And, and here's a question. Since you've hit your 20s, I mean, has there ever been a time where you honored your parents in some way and later regretted it? Like, probably not, right? Like, most of us, we get to our 20s, and for most cases, we get to a point where we really begin to appreciate our parents <laughs> for what they did. And we see their humanity, their weaknesses, their flaws, but then we really begin to appreciate the commitment and the sacrifice um, that it took from them to raise us. And what happens is you begin to honor them. That now, like when you send them a birthday card, it's not just like, happy birthday, Ryan. You write like a little paragraph even in there. You know, even as a 20 or 30-year-old, you're trying to like honor them. And then one day, for most of us, we'll stand on a stage like this or one of our siblings and, 
And at our mom and dad's funerals, we will gush honor all over the place, right? I, I've done it for both. And it's like I wanted everybody in that room to know that my dad or my mom had lived an honorable life. You know, I'm telling stories and I'm sharing things. Well, the, the wisdom of the Bible, the Ten Commandments, is like, hey, gush honor while their ears actually work, right? <laughs> like, gush honor now. Like, there's actually a lot of wisdom in that. And God's saying, hey, remember that. Remember, I'll be your guide. So what, sorry, let me look where I'm at here. Oh, yeah. So what if we began to look at this God as a guide and, and the, the rules that our 14-year-old self hates as more like trails and less like rules? That, that if God really does have us on an adventure, then he, he gives us these trails to to walk on, to run on, that they're trusted and they're awesome. They lead to waterfalls and mountain overlooks. And, man, they're, they're great. They're trails. And we can leave the trail, right? And God's not going to zap us. You know, no lightning bolts are going to hit us when we leave the trail. But sometimes when we leave the trail, there's cliffs, right? And you, you don't know the cliff's there till you step on it, step over it. And sometimes when we leave the trail, there, we get lost, and we're like, oh no, don't know where I'm at. And it makes me think of a, a young lady in 2018 named Madeline Connolly. She's a Chicago native and she's in Montana visiting her uncle, okay? And she is a nature enthusiast. She loves the outdoors. And uh, while she's there, she has her dog in tow. Um, she goes hiking, all right? And initially, good old time, they're hiking out on the trails. You know, it's, it's bear country and mountain lion country. So it's a little scary, but they're doing great. And after a few hours, though, it's like she starts to get hot and they're tired. They're out of water. They didn't bring enough water for both of them. And she remembers, like, hey, my uncle said there's a lake or a pond or something, kind of like out yonder kind of, you know, thing. And she decides, like, hey, I'm going to leave the trail and I'm going to go find this water. Okay, I've got this. I've done this before. And she leaves the trail and for 15 or so minutes she's wandering around the Montana backwoods and she eventually comes to a body of water so she's like great this is awesome they're you know refreshing themselves splashing in the water playing fetch with her dog having a good old time um, and then after about 45 minutes she's like it's about time to get back and she leaves the water and, and they go and they try to find the trail and they're walking and walking and walking and there's no trail <laughs> there's no trail to be found and quickly minutes turn into hours and the panic sets in and quickly hours turn into days. And, and by the end, she had been in the forest for six days searching for a trail that she never found. And, and thankfully, I'm telling you a happy story. She was found by a rescue party. Um, they found her and her dog alive and well, but she never found the trail on her own. And I wonder if trails aren't such a bad thing. The fact that God's saying, hey, I want to guide you and give you some trails to run on. Um, I think of a quote from an American naturalist and author named Ernest Ingersoll. It says, A trail is a happy promise to the anxious heart that you are going somewhere and not aimlessly wandering in a circle. <laughs> that, friends, I think God gives us these trails, these guidelines, because he doesn't want us to spend the adventures of our lives wandering in a circle. Right? He's like, hey, here's some trails. Run on them. They'll get you to where you're going. 
And I don't know if you've ever had a boss who gave you like no direction, no like feedback, no input. Like he just throws you out there and expects you to get stuff done. Um, well, I did early on in my career and that was hard. Like it was hard to not have any trails to run on, to just be like, hey, go run. See you in a month, you know, or whatever. Um, well, what God's doing is he's saying, hey, I want to give you some trails to run on so you don't chase your tail through the adventure of your life. So that's the reminder uh, of the flowering branch and the Ten Commandments. And, you know, as I think of, like, that idea of being off the trail and kind of lost on the adventure, um, I think there's really only, like, three frames of mind you can have in that moment, okay? You're either oblivious, like William Edward Perry, like our first story where he's walking across the Arctic. He's got no idea he's lost for eight hours. Um, Sometimes in life, that's where we're at. Uh, Or you're like Madeline Connolly, you're cognizant of the fact that you're lost. You're like, I don't know where the trail's at. It could be five minutes that way or 25 minutes that way or an hour that way. I got nothing. Um, But I'm going to find it myself, you know, and you spend six minutes or six hours or six days or never trying to find the trail on your own. Um, Or if you're like me, the other frame of mind is just stubbornness, right? Where you're like, I am never admitting that I am lost. Thank you very much. Like, it's not happening. I could be 20 miles off the trail, blindfolded, three in the morning, you know, climbing through like a garbage sewer on my hands and knees. And I'm like, nope, I'm not lost. I'm good. Don't need a map. Don't need a guide. Totally good. Loving this. You know, it's like Shawshank Redemption. And you're just, no, I'm good. <laughs> well, that's where I'm at a lot in life. Um, but This idea of following Christ is really the ability to say, hey, I could use a little guidance, right? Like I, sometimes I run down trails and get lost and and God, could you help guide me? So that's part of it. And then another part of it is this idea of taking responsibility for maybe running down some trails in life that have caused some pain in your life maybe some pain in the lives of the people around you that you love the most that you're like hey god yeah i could use guidance and yeah i've kind of burned a few bridges here and kind of my trails have ran over some other people over here and it's saying hey i want to take responsibility for that and the it comes down to asking god to could you forgive me for running my own trails my whole life um so could you guide me and and forgive me And, and the final reminder is chad shared in the video of the Ark of the Covenant, the Indiana Jones box, um, is that very thing that God's reminding us that I will forgive you. That in his instructions to Moses, he says, there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat. So this area right here between the angels was called the mercy seat. And so not only is God going to meet with them, meet with us, but he's going to do it through this lens of forgiveness. And that is kind of the story of the Bible, (laughs) okay? I don't know if you guys know this, okay? But do you know Chad, like Chad Hoven? He's here sometimes on stage, yeah. Okay, you know Chad, yeah. Jungle Jack Chad, you know him. Um, Well, Chad has actually written some books. I don't know if you guys know that, but he's kind of a big deal. He's an author. I'm not. I've written some love letters and stuff, but that's about it. Um, well, Well, Chad wrote a book called Fast Track Bible, Okay, and where, what he does is he takes the whole Bible, the overarching story, all the characters, plot lines, all of that. He condenses it down to like 
a 45 to 60 minute read with pictures and different things to help your brain connect. Um, well, today what I'm going to do to give you the story of the Bible is I'm going to give you the faster track Bible, okay? It's kind of like what six minute abs was for seven minute abs, but it's for the Bible. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the breakdown of that, okay? Chad's is 60 minutes, mine's like 60 seconds, okay? So here's the Bible cover to cover. Are you ready for this? It's going to be deep. Um, we mess up. God's willing to forgive. Okay, we, we keep messing up, okay? God keeps being willing to forgive. Okay, we mess up like 3, 5, 10, 25, 100 times. God's willing to forgive like 3, 5, 10, 25, 100 times. Okay, we mess up so bad. We shipwreck our lives like the plane went down. People are alienating us out of their lives. It's bad. God's still willing to forgive. Like, hey, let me help you get that plane back off the ground. You're not alienated from my family. Come back. Okay, and then sometimes, if we're just shooting it straight, sometimes we get to the point where life is, it, it is so hard. We've been so wounded and there's so much pain going on that we, we want to yell at God and we want to beat on his chest and we want to say, hey, God, you know what? You can take your Indiana Jones box and you can do something with it that I can't say out loud right now because my life stinks and it's hard. And, oh, by the way, this adventure that you're talking about, Ryan, you didn't mention anything about the fact that sometimes there's cancer and death and miscarriages and bankruptcies and burying the people that we love. And, and we just want to tell God, no, we're done. Right? Like we can't take another single thing. And you know what God does? He, he shows this thing we talked about a few weeks ago. He shows this powerful and patient restraint. He, he draws near, close enough to whisper, and he says, hey, hey Ryan, you know, hey, hey, Scott and Sherry, hey, hey McKinley, look, I, I know this part of the adventure is scary. Like, I know it is. It's so scary. It's terrifying. I know. But, but remember, remember that I, I am near like, I'm with you every step of the way through this. And remember that I can sustain you, that I can give you enough every day just to get you one more day. And remember that I can guide you. Right, right now, life is so scary. It's so confusing. Remember, I can guide you. And, and remember that I, I forgive you. I even forgive you for telling me what to do with my Indiana Jones box. Right? Like, I can forgive you. And... The best part of this adventure with God is the fact that no matter what turn we're facing that scares us, no matter if we're facing what we think is maybe the last turn of the adventure, that when you're on an adventure with God, we know how it ends. That, that in Revelations, it says this, it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. But that's what all of those reminders add up to. That the end of the adventure with God is being with God. And the fact there's no more tears, no more dying, no more crying. Let me pray for us. Um, God, thank you 
for the reminders that you gave us through the Ark of the Covenant. Thank you that you want to remind us that you're going to be near us, that you're going to provide for us and sustain us, that you're going to guide us, and that you can forgive us. And I pray that not only would we remember those, but those would help draw us to you um, on this grand adventure. So in your name, amen. Well, hey, last words here. Remember the uh, event this Thursday with Beth Guckenberger. We'd love to have you there, ladies. You can sign up on the website. There's a, uh, a thing out in the atrium with cards on it. I forget what we call that, but a holder out there. You can grab one of those. Um, and then, again, if you ever want to talk, we always have a, somebody out at the third door on the left in the hearth room. So have a great day.